0: Bound. Welcome to Books and Beyond with Bound, I'm Tara Khandelwal, I'm Michelle DeCosta. and in this podcast we uncover the stories behind some of the best written books of our time and find out how these books
1: reflect our lives and our society today. So tune in every Wednesday to
0: enter a whole new world with a new author, and a new idea.
1: Yes, and after 3 years and 2 million listens, we are back with a Power Fact Season 5.
0: With hard-hitting questions and life-changing books. So let's dive in. So, before we begin, Michelle, I want to ask you, what is the
1: craziest thing you've ever done for a story? So I think it was very long back, okay? I think it was around... 2012 or 2011 um, I was attempting to write a psychological thriller and one of the main themes of the book had to do with a fish and and a fish aquarium uh, at home and I was really curious because you know I couldn't find much on the internet and I thought okay why not go to an actual aquarium shop so what I did was I told my dad you know you come with me Okay. And you just keep the salesman distracted, right? Because I usually don't like it, you know, when salesmen or women just hover around you. I feel this pressure like, Oh God, I should buy something, you know. So I told him, just speak to him, you know, just, and, and he's very good at conversation. So he was just speaking to him. And what I did was I, you know, closely observed each aquarium piece in the shop, you know, taking notes of the kind of fish, the colors, you know, the size of the pebbles, whatever. But I think that was one of the most fun things I've ever done for research. And I felt very guilty, you know, because it was kind of like window shopping. I wasn't really buying it. And one thing that I learned from this research was, you know, there are certain cleaner fish, Tara. I don't know if you know of it. So they, you know, they kind of stick to the surface of um the tank and their duty is just to clean so they eat up the algae they eat up all the all the waste or whatever i found that so fascinating like even fish have their own roles like yep. humans so how did how yeah. did the fish come into the book what was the significance of fish oh in my gosh okay i've abandoned that manuscript but i would say in that i think one of my characters found solace in the the fish aquarium. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, she was a very uh, introverted character, a character who doesn't really gel with people. So the point I was trying to make uh, in that story uh, was that, you know, she can associate with fish in a better way. Like for example, the cleaner fish who's, who's given a very, a stereotypical role of cleaning the tank, it's, it's she feels boxed up like that in life. So so it was kind of like a conversation she has with each type of fish and, and uh, you know, like a friendship that she builds up with them. I was c- kind of trying to show that how she could relate more to fish than people.
0: Very interesting. But the reason that I ask is, you know, what's the first thing that people think of when they think of writers, right? They think of writers sitting in their rooms, introverted, having a cup of chai. And I have to admit, I am sort of one of those quintessential people who love sort of like having, you know, their cup of tea and sort of reading a book and curling up in in, in your book. But as a journalist, as an editor, all of these things, and in our interviews and experiences uh, with writers over the last four seasons and now season five, we found out that writers are so much more than the typical stereotype, right? Because in order to write, one has to live. And what we found is that, You know, writers live on the extremes, you know, and some of the research and some of the things that writers do in the name of research is not just sitting in the library, but is going undercover, is putting themselves in places of extreme danger sometimes, following people who, you know, are completely different demographic than them. I think what we want to do on this episode today is bust some of those myths.
1: So what do you think, Michelle? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, Tara, because I think one of the most common misconceptions I've heard, or at least, you know, even I thought of as I grew up, is that writers are recluses. You know, they are reclusive, they write, they lock themselves up in a room, you know, for inspiration, for creativity. I have even heard that some writers don't like windows in a room, because windows can be distraction, right? It can lead to a lot of procrastination, which is yes, I agree on some days, I would rather look out of the window than write, because it's easier to do that. But even in popular culture there's a misconception that writers are recluses right so there are some really famous ones like octavia butler and you know she's called herself a hermit you know she's given herself that label then there's obviously harper lee right who completely disappeared off the earth after the success of two a mockingbird and i also read somewhere that emily dickinson did not step outside her house for almost two decades Tara. can you believe it
0: Wow, wow. Yeah. And also sort of we see that, you know, not only these real life examples, but also in pop culture, right? We see sort of writers hold up uh, in their rooms and there's nothing wrong with that. We do it too. But what we don't see more often about writers who have done some truly crazy things, they are are their own rock artists, I feel, you know. (laughs) And one of the pop culture sort of uh, images that comes to my mind is Jack Kerouac, the American writer.
1: So he wrote this book called On the Road. Yeah, actually, Kerouac is a is a really interesting example because you know his book influenced. Uh, I would say it's kind of like a cult following where other writers realize that you know if you're a little hutke, right? If you're if you're a little bindas type, you go out, make friends, travel. You'll have a lot more material to write about, right? Because you know the most of the movies that I've seen based on writers, right? They usually have reclusive lives. You know they they are very comfortable in their own zone and they write really well. They are brilliant. But they don't really travel much.
0: Most of pop culture and a lot of movies about writers um, have perpetuated this particular stereotype, right? But here we're trying to sort of bust that myth in this episode because we've seen writers do things for their stories that have shocked us to their core. Uh, You know, and and we always leave asking, how the hell did they do this? In this episode, we're really going to bust the myth that research equals boring. Yeah. Because when I tell someone, oh, you know, I have to do a lot of research for this. The immediate thing that comes to your mind is something very different than what actually is happening. Yeah. Because what we're seeing is that research is one of the most exciting things a writer can do. Some truly amazing, interesting anecdotes uh, have come out in these episodes because these writers have gone into some really extreme situations. So that's really what we're trying to do in this episode. And by the end of the episode, we hope that you find ways to get up from your seat
1: and look for stories wherever you can as well. Yeah, I think the stereotype is something that we see often, uh, Tara, but I feel that, you know, living is something all of us do, right? Uh, that's a given. And, and that itself gives you stories just to share my own experience to a very simple trip to D-Mart, right? So what I I did once was, you know, just to mix up my routine a little bit. So what we usually do when we go shopping is we have a list, right? We have a shopping list. You have a grocery list. You set out with the mindset to buy certain things. But what I did that day was I told my parents, okay, you go ahead, you do your shopping. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look at those things we have never usually bought. We have not gone for ideally. And I noted down the thing. I'm just giving you an example out of the top of my head. Um, Let's say I would ordinarily not go for orange cream biscuits. Okay, this is just a wild wild, uh, example. But what I did was I noted them. And then what I thought to myself, okay, who would pick that? You know, And, and I would say that made me go into so many different directions for stories, which I would have never come across had I just stuck to my grocery list ever. So I feel that, you know, going out there, living your life is something everybody does. And that's something I want to see more in pop culture.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, like I was reading this story about the award winning screenwriter behind mm. West Wing and the social network. And he actually, Aaron Sorkin, and he had confessed that he's he broke his nose while writing. Oh my
1: gosh. How? Yeah.
0: So, but basically, he likes to act out his stories in front of the mirror. Oh. And one time after getting carried away, he accidentally butted his head. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: oh, God.
0: Yeah. Acting out your
1: dialogues is good, but yeah, yeah. no, I was <laughs> no, I was just going to say that Aranya because sometimes you know uh, some characters really uh, require to uh, you to become like them, right? So this this reminds me a lot of uh, method actors. Some roles really require you to do so much research that you become like them. I think I had read that. Varun Dhawan uh, you know for his movie Badlapur he you know locked himself up in a room and, and to really to really get into the mindset to go to these extreme levels you know like the actor and the machinist who really starved himself my god very very scary but he did that you know just for that role so I think today we are also going to cover writers who have done crazy stuff as research for their books.
0: Yeah, so one definitely, you know, we mentioned a few, Aaron Sorkin and, um, you know, Jack Kerouac. But one of the things that, you know, one of the stories that stuck with me throughout the seasons is Mm. Rajat Obhaikar's journey for his book, Truck De India. And we've mentioned that, you know, in, in a few other episodes as well. But it's so fascinating because he traveled all over India, literally from Kashmir to Kanyakumari for six months. In the backs of trucks, you know, this is like without a break, day in and day out, he was sitting in the backs of these trucks, uh, all because he wanted to chronicle the lives of truck truck drivers, you know, which is sort of a demographic that hasn't been studied before. And he's obviously yeah. from a very different sort of uh socioeconomic background than uh than the people that he was studying, but he managed to sort of assimilate himself within this demographic and also sort of within the hardships right because he's obviously from an urban setting and he's sort of living in the backs of his truck sort of uh, on the road throughout uh, you know in the heat in the cold whatever it is and the stories that he had were so so fascinating
1: yeah, yeah, And out of all the stories that he shared with us on the episode, Tara, you know, one really stayed with me, uh, you know, because he had a lot of, I would say, fun company, right? So many were there. But out of all, I think the most interesting duo was Shyam, who was the driver and his handyman Rajinder, right? And, and so Shyam is this, you know, driver of the night. They And what uh, Rajat calls him is the creature of the night, right? So because he prefers driving in the dark. Can you imagine? That itself is, for me, that itself sounds so scary. But but then, you know, Rajat asks him, you know, Rajender Bhai, have you ever encountered highway robbers? And apparently he has encountered so many. So what these robbers do is, you know, they plant nails on the road, right? So obviously to puncture the tires. And he says that that is common. But you know what others do, Tara? My God, this really gave me goosebumps. Some of them actually pose as ambulance drivers, right? And they just wait there at the truck and then they force it to stop. And then what they do, they rob them completely. And apparently what used to happen 15 years ago is is kind of like a dystopian movie. What used to happen is they would not just take their money or whatever they had on them. They would take them, kidnap them, probably steal their kidneys and then let them go. Imagine. My goodness. And I don't think Rajat would have ever gotten that story had he not hitchhiked, taken that ride and gone with them. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's just, that's (laughs) crazy.
0: And I also like the part where, you know, this Rajinder Bhai was caught unaware in the jungle, you know, in uh, the Hasimara jungle in Bengal. And he would literally fight off these bandits with his bare hands. And these bandits, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, these bandits would sort of hide in the canopy of the jungle. And then they mm. would they would jump onto these trucks and then mm. they would cut off the ropes and take all the goods. So so this yeah. Rajatarba had a lot of different stories. And another yeah. thing that, you know, was so interesting that Rajat sort of you know, he spent days on the road and he just sort of you know, he didn't even have a recorder because the truck's engine and the music was so loud. Yeah, exactly. And he was just sort of listening and taking notes and sleeping in the back of these trucks. And mm. he became, and you know, we asked him about his friendship with uh, this truck driver. He became really good friends with jora Bhai. And he yeah. said that, you know, he'd never, he'd never have the chance to be such good friends with him before. Uh, and we asked him, you know, you, you guys are from such different backgrounds. And then how did you connect, you know? And then he said that obviously, you know, we are connecting because we're spending so much time mm. together. Yeah, and,
1: and, and over yeah. cigarettes, Tara.
0: <laughs> over cigarettes, yeah. And yeah, over yeah. cigarettes and alcohol.
1: And the kind yes. of insights
0: that you get from that friendship is, is something amazing. But but yeah. you know, I'm just thinking, and that's something that we've spoken also a lot about is this was such a fantastic sort of journey to
1: yeah. you know,
0: get to the heart of, of 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 this demographic and putting yourself out there. I'm just thinking as a woman, you know, I'd never be able
1: to to do this, right? Like Mm -hmm. but you know what I think Tara the moment I read his book and the moment after we spoke to him right I was thinking why not interview women truck drivers (laughs) I know they are rare I know and and India I have I have not really seen uh, but then I've heard for example there are women truck drivers in Canada like you know they can maneuver trucks amidst uh, ice or snow that is like inches thick which which is to me sounds like a Bollywood (laughs) movie stunt Uh, but that's something that they do every day which is a part of their livelihood so if I ever get a chance I think I'll interview them what about Mm. you? what do you think?
0: (laughs) who will I interview? (laughs) yeah yeah. I mean I you know like after sort of sort of you know working as a journalist we interview so many people and I always start wondering you know that uh, simple people so I went to sort of my beauty parlor and I was speaking to the person who was cutting my hair and he's from the northeast I'm Mizoram and he was telling me that apparently lots and lots of people from Mizoram come into the cities. I'm I'm not sure if this is correct or, or wrong. This is what he's told me. Lots of people come from Mizoram into the cities to work, you know, in these parlors and things like that. So I was like, oh, you know, that might be an interesting uh, demographic to interview. And that got me thinking that, you know, uh, when I was younger, I remember I used to go with my mom to a lot of these Chinese beauty parlors. Right. Run by the okay. Chinese uh, people oh. who obviously come in from Calcutta and then, you know, settle down in the nineties, it was a big thing. It's oh. like that's a full new sort of story. And these are I thought of those also because they're places that like as a woman I can go to. Ha, easily accessible. Easily Correct. accessible. But I think uh, yeah. like, you know, in our in our interviews, you know, this accessibility and safety that hasn't stopped a lot of the writers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, so before we discuss that, Tara, I want to mention, because you mentioned Pala, uh, the ones I used to go to, now, they uh, they were Banjarans, right? You know, so we often hear the word Banjara, uh, you know, in of course, there's this famous Bollywood song also, but I never knew, you know, their kind of like their history or all this. So listening to them, so Banjarans apparently are migrants throughout, like nomads, I mean. So there's not like a fixed place where they said they just, they keep moving around. So I think that's another or demographic that I would really like to cover someday.
0: Yeah, no, very interesting. But yeah, I think speaking of like women who like are going to unconventional locations and, you know, uh, research that is extreme, right? Hmm. One of the writers that I think has always stuck with me is Tara Kaushal, who we interviewed in season two for her book, Why Men Ray. Yeah, And I mean, it was so interesting because it was so daring, you know, because she interviews these nine men. Uh, you know, all of from all over India who have committed acts of sexual violence, and to in order to sort of um you know interview them, she actually went undercover because she couldn't really tell them uh, why she was interviewing them because uh they would sort of censor their answers. So she actually went undercover, sort of like a movie researcher. And in the interview, she talks about how you know she had to act a little bit, you know, while she was conducting these interviews with these men. And there was a distinction between yeah. her as like this horrified person versus her as uh, this researcher, and and then like she would send her husband her WhatsApp live location, and her husband would be on tenterhooks looking at this live location, right? And and then she had to yeah. go, and it's not only like the urban setting; she was in like rural areas, and mm. uh, you know all of India. She she had a chaperone, but it's still it's still dangerous, you know. She's putting herself, you know,
1: very very squarely, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it it is. And and since you mentioned live location that I was just thinking so the other day, I went to this uh, graphic novel library here, okay, in Bombay. Um, and of course, there's a lot of traveling, right? Bombay is huge. So to go there itself, it takes like hours. And my dad was like, You share the live location, okay, be careful. And I was thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, these writers have gone where all, right? Like, I mean, imagine sharing a live location from a rural area and that too, like interviewing these men. And another thing, you know, that for me, what really stood out, that, see, if you're just living with them, you know, <clears throat> Uh, in a disguise, I think you're probably not brushing against danger. But what she did was she asked them 250 questions. And just imagine if a question rubs somebody the wrong way. Oh my gosh, like I can't even imagine the reaction. And you know, one of the questions that really stood out to me was, you know, has your wife ever said no? And have you done it anyway? Like, you know, because she couldn't really, like directly ask them, you know, like, have you raped your wife or do you even consider that as rape? Because she was trying to get around it through an indirect way, right? And the answer was almost always yes, right? My wife just always says no. So yeah, so I did it. And and that for something was so traumatic to hear, you know, just imagine hearing that as a woman and, and she did that and she interviewed all these nine men. So I feel for me, that was one of the, you know, the questions that really um i would say triggered me and i could only imagine what tara Koshal went to and 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 it was not just during the research right it's like she also shared with us that after the research years later like now you know like she has nightmares and and one day she woke up like biting her husband in her sleep because she was that disturbed
0: yeah i mean you know these things uh it, it's not fun like we've seen with rajat and, and with the, uh, tara Koshal as mm-hmm. well right they're putting themselves literally uh out there physically tara kaushal as a woman you know mentally as well yeah you know but at the end of the day there's a bigger purpose for their book which is you know she really wanted to uncover uh the reasons why uh you know this is happening in order to do that she went to sort of she she was on facebook she went to the police went through detective agencies uh, so i just her her journey was i think really really fascinating and kudos uh to her and we've also spoken to you know so many other women authors who have traveled to unknown places and taken huge risks and another another name that comes to mind is sonia falero
1: oh yes and i think you know for me sonia falero's book right the good girls really really stood out to me tara because i remember uh browsing through my phone okay back in 2014 and coming across this image of two girls hanging from a tree, and you know it was so disturbing, you know, and it and it it uh, set this wildfire of curiosity throughout, you know, Twitter. I mean, it went viral, uh, whatever. And then you know, we obviously, you know, the news moves on. The next day, you see another news. Then you see another news, right? And then, and then we forgot about it. And then this book comes out, right? And and what Sonia actually did was she went to UP, right, to to uncover the real story of these two teenage girls who died in Badao in UP, right? Like what really happened? Was it a suicide? Was it a murder? And she researched for five years. She went back and forth from London. I would say in a very patriarchal environment where people, you know, and she, and she shared with us that some of them were resisting replying to her because the case was done and dusted. A year had passed and they were like, okay, but now why is she coming and asking us these questions? And so so imagine facing all that, uh, you know, resistance from them. And, and one incident really stood out to me, Tara. So there was one of the policemen whom um, she had contacted, right? And that man threatened her on the call. He said that, you know, I will attack you. If you track me down I'm definitely going to attack you and I know where you're living. So so I think that is something that she had to live that that fear is something she had to live with day in and day out while she was researching.
0: Yeah, that that's a crazy story for sure. Would you ever sort of like, you know, like go undercover, Michelle? Like would you sort of sort of change your identity, you know, for a story or
1: have you done that? It's very interesting, actually, Tara, because I have considered this a number of times. I'll tell you why. Because uh, I've like, you know, when you dress up for different occasions, right? So for example, let's say one day I wear Western and the next day I wear I wear a sari or, you know, whatever, like a Desi um, attire. People have told me sometimes that they can't recognize me in these different attires. And I often thought to myself, oh, wow, that means I can disguise myself probably and, you know, go in locations <laughs> and people wouldn't even know it's me. I have I have thought of that. What about you?
0: No not undercover but but have you ever felt sort of like you know because as as writers we mentioned that like you know we we go out there sometimes for like stories right and we've seen that happen <laughs> uh, we've we, been talking about these examples but so have yeah. you ever like felt like danger as a woman like maybe like you're out and because I know that you told me this that weekends are your time where you're sort of like out and about because you're gathering sort of yes. you know sights and sounds and smells and like Material, right? That you can maybe incorporate into a story. So, hmm. have you ever felt sort of like dangers a woman while sort of going for a story?
1: Yeah, Tara, I think you've noticed it, right? I do love to go out on weekends because I think uh, you know when the rest of the week you hold up at home, it's better to you know just take the time out and go. And, and what happens to me is, you know, sometimes some things trigger stories within you, right? Some things I might observe. Let's say, let's say an incident has happened. Let's say a person has said something, or I've noticed something, you know, and it could be anything. Right. So one thing that happened to me uh, that really triggered this need to, you know, pursue that story or follow the story was when I visited my cousin's house. Kids, uh, So they stay in Vikroli and there was an unfortunate incident that happened uh, to them. So their neighbor, what, the, what that person did was he uh, just, you know, stood on the railway track like everyone thought, OK, he's just standing. He's waiting for a train. OK, very regular thing. And then he just jumps in front of it. A very, very scary incident. And what happened after that really shook me, um, you know, as a writer. And it's something that I actively uh, pursue. It's really difficult, obviously, to find a dead body once they, you know, commit suicide when they jump in front of the train. So there is always a person they assign to do that. There is one person who collects these body parts. And for me, I was like, oh, my gosh, like I have to speak to this person. I have to interview them to find out how could they do you know, such a thing, right, just imagine, like, it's so traumatic. And and what I did was I actually tried to uh, contact that person on the next visit, obviously, because I had to mull it over, I had to think about, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Like, I was obsessed. I said, okay, this must be a really terrible job um, to do. And, and later on, actually, I tried to contact him, uh, you know, through others, I tried to find out, I wanted to speak to him. But unfortunately, I couldn't. Uh, but maybe on another visit, I'll be successful. And I think the whole point of, of, uh, getting a stories to be persistent don't give mm. up don't give up if 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 they rebuff you once twice whatever but I also think this is a sensitive topic so maybe you know I don't know
0: yeah yeah no it's a very disturbing I definitely think speaking of like your own life inspiring you right one of the books that I really liked and writing is about having these interesting experiences it is Nitin Sekar's What's Left of the Jungle yeah. Um, yeah, that book is really interesting because it talks about the connection between people, wildlife, and nature. And it's about mm-hmm. uh, Nitin Sekar, who's this Indian American PhD student. Uh, and he comes to the Baksa Tiger Reserve to do field work. And, you know, while he's doing his field work, he sort of befriends Akshu, who's his field assistant and who's a local. So the book was really interesting because it went through two drafts and the first draft was mostly about his research and then he actually went and scrapped the entire thing and, and said that, you know what, I'm going to make it about this this guy, Akshu, and our friendship because Akshu is so very interesting, right? So he's a villager and like one of the incidents that's so interesting, so they live in the sort of like the, the border of this reserve, so they're, they're obviously like uh, farmers and things like that and, and, you know, elephants come into their fields and... Uh, A lot of the villagers, they are, uh, you know, involved in illegally collecting timber and firewood. And Akshu is always torn between, you know, uh, protecting the forest and also using the forest to uh, further his income. And there's one like really terrifying scene where there are these bunch of poachers and there's this like showdown with them. Uh, You know, and Nitin Sekar as an American Indian, you know, such a different context. Uh, he went there and he found such an unlikely inspiration, which is this guy who he became best friends with. And, you know, he's written a full book. And I actually asked him, you know, did Akshu read the book? And actually Akshu and him had done a lot of Zoom calls as well when the book was going on. So, oh. so yeah, writing is about all these interesting experiences, yeah. right?
1: I think uh, I think you know, Tarasi, like uh, friendships or bonds or relationships that you that you build with these last a lifetime, right? And I have I have a very uh, different uh, writer to mention here because I think yes, friendship you know you can make with nature, with people, with animals, with plants, all of that. But there are some writers who also uh, you know make friends with ghosts, <laughs> you know. So they put themselves in such situations where they come into very close contact with spirits, with ghosts, right? So it's you know I'm talking about the horror writer Neil De Selva, whom we've interviewed uh, this season, and he's also you know mentored at Bounds Virtual Writing Retreat. Um, you know, so for his book "Haunted," Tara, he actually co-wrote it with this paranormal investigator rani Okay, and the book actually covers ten of the most haunting sites in India. Right, just to get these these paranormal experiences. But you know what I find interesting is Tara. You know, he, the th- there is a story in the book. Okay, that's called the Lost Child of Kuldhara. Now that, he didn't set out just to get a story, okay? He was visiting the village. He happened to be there. And uh, apparently this village is there from the 13th century, okay? So somewhere around like 200 years ago, people just vanished without a trace. Like nobody knows where they went, what happened. One day on a very cold and dark night, Jay finds himself there, right? And then what happens is is something that has like shaken him for life. And I think our readers should read the book to know more about the lost child and what happens in Koldara. But apart from that, you know, I feel, you know, authors like Neil de Silva, they put themselves in situations which would shake their reality, right? So what we asked him on our episode was, what does he do as part of research, right? He says that every time he writes a new book, he picks a new location, you know, to to basically to let the creativity flow. And one time when he was in this hotel room, right, all alone, you know, he saw that the lights were flickering, right? And obviously, he has a very high tolerance for all these, uh, I would say, um, uh, erratic stuff that might happen. But then it didn't stop. It just became worse and worse. Like it was flickering at a crazy level. That's when he ran out of the room and he actually asked, you know, the, the bellboy and he said, OK, is this normal? does this happen? You know, is is this, it's like, is the lighting faulty? Is it the electricity? And he said, no, it never happened. So, so just imagine, like, I think he would have like encountered so many things like that. What about you, Tara? Have you ever encountered something paranormal or out of this no, world? No, no, but I found it
0: really, fa- I loved like that his research involves booking himself into these isolated towns, sitting in these isolated rooms and like, he wants these paranormal experiences to happen because it gives him the vibe for fiction <laughs> uh, which i find like super yeah, yeah. fast like what a like what an interesting research process right
1: yeah yeah totally i think i think it's something that's that's really i would say pushes the boundaries like since we are talking about extremes today this is a totally different extreme yeah and
0: like manu pillai you know like one of india's like most prominent historians Says that research happens in cycles, and he does a lot of his research in libraries and, and things like that. But research also, like we've seen how like research happens while you're living, and research is everything, but research also happens over years and years. Um, and yeah, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Mansi Choksi, who we interviewed for her book, The Newlyweds. The episode is coming up this season, and there's a lot of like fun anecdotes, but what she does is she covers you know, she follows these these three couples over six years. Um, And one of the couples that really stood out to me was the Hindu-Muslim couple, Um, you know, where sort of she decided to sort of follow them around for this extended period of time and we see her getting really close to her subjects and almost being like a fly on the wall I think in the interview she mentioned that you know she's been witness you know and and again she's from a very different socioeconomic background and she's been witness to sort of like big blowout fights um, you know between these couples you know the interactions with their parents and all kinds of like things which she's put in the book so it just makes you wonder you know spending so much time also like doing this research is so very interesting
1: yeah and actually for me you know the couple davinder and neetu stood out because they're like neighbors right like so they're from the same place uh and and one day they decide to elope right and then what do they do so so while uh, Davinder takes you know takes the car out and you know he has these friends with him for moral support what Neetu does is she actually gives her parents sleeping pills and the you know like it was literally like I was holding my breath when I was reading that scene Tara because you know she found that her parents were awake (laughs) they were not sleeping and she's like she's so frustrated with Davinder she's like you know what pills did you give me my parents are still awake and then obviously you know we know how things turn out and then they manage to elope and then and out say there's there's so much in the book um that that really really makes you you know question what happens in our society right and, and one of the most disturbing things i came across were the love commandos tara you know so initially they, talk, they 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 seem to be this really uh really helpful uh group of people who help these uh couples who are in need they help them elope right because of various reasons there could be intercaste interfaith uh right so i, I think then later on, what we discovered as a reader is that the love commandos are extremely exploitative, very dangerous. And I feel that Mansi was was able to to excavate these things just because she did it over years. Right. Imagine it. Like, because I don't think this is something you can get, you know, with one visit.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, it's, again, like, you know, research is sort of not mm. like sitting in your, you know,
1: at home, but yes. doing,
0: you're doing all these things. But we haven't covered travel. I mean, like, that's the ultimate sort of, you know, uh, way of putting yourself out of your comfort zone. And there's so many sort of authors also you've interviewed who, um, you know, have used travel as a way of research, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, Tara, thinking about, uh, you know, like conducting research over years, uh, you know, when I watched the movie Hustle recently, uh, when I saw that, you know, there are these talent scouts who look, who look for uh, good basketball players from the NBA, I thought, okay, that's somebody I'd like to shadow. Uh, because, you know, because as editors, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty much a desk job, right? We scout for talent on our laptop, you know, on our devices and we find stories, but I would love to go out there, travel, you know, understand different cultures, see talent in different cultures right there on the ground. Uh, so I think that's something I would do if, if I get a chance to follow. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think travel, right? Like that's one of the yes. like main, like that's one such an interesting way in which a lot of these writers that we've spoken to find material and go out of their way and use it as sort of, you know, um, uh, they open up boundaries and all of those things. We've interviewed okay. travel writers. Uh, one writer that comes to mind is obviously Taran Khan, who, yes. who, who wrote this beautiful book about, you know, her time in Kabul and she spent so much time just walking the city and you know seeing it change and and another one is Achal Malhotra whose book Remnants of a Separation it covers the stories of partition through objects people took with them or left behind and and for you know her research she also wanted to visit Pakistan because a lot of you know she wanted to retrieve those stories as well uh, and I really like one particular story of her travels uh where she developed this close bond with a driver who was driving her around
1: and he actually used to be the driver of somebody her parents knew really well yeah kesar okay, ji and, and and you know the way he was there for her tara so there was the, there was an incident that she shared um, so she had covered a lot of Muslim families and their stories, you know, what they had taken with them during the partition. But she also wanted to cover profile of a, a Hindu person who stayed back. Um, right. So then she actually contacted this person and he said, OK, meet me in a temple. Right. So there are apparently huge, two very huge temples in Pakistan. And this was one of them. He said, meet me there. And then she said, you know, uh, no, why don't we meet at your house? I'm, I'm you know, I would rather meet you there than at the temple. He said, no, no, you know, you're a Hindu. I'm a Hindu. Let's just meet at the temple. Okay, so she goes there and Keserji is driving her to this place. He obviously parks the car and she goes to the temple, you know, to hear him out. And, you know, she expected a story to... to, let's, Let's say she wanted to know a different story. And what she got from the man was not something she expected. He said, oh, yes, you know, we are fine. Everything is fine. Life is amazing. All of that. And when she walked back to her car, she looked really dejected. You know, she felt cheated, she said, because... She expected something else and she got something else and the driver was equally disturbed looking at her. He said, what happened, beta? Like, you know, the interview was not okay. What what went wrong? Why, why are you so upset? And then, you know, she was just controlling her tears. She wanted to break down. She wanted to, she just said, okay, I'll just give up if I'm not getting these stories. But then, you know, what he told her, Tara, I'll never forget that. He said, beta, all five fingers are, are not of the same length. And she thought, what is he saying? What does he mean by this? And then he said, it means all your interviews might not go the same way. It's OK. You know, keep trying. And then she said, yeah, because she looked at her own hand and that and that really like struck her. Yes, you might not. I mean, in, in research, you meet thousand people, right? You might not use all of their stories. You might not always get the stories you want. But I think the key is to keep trying. And for, and for me, listening, you know, to that bond that she shared with Keserji is, is something very unique.
0: Yeah, like always keep hustling, right? Yes. It reminds me, you know, like in traveling, We're speaking about traveling, We when I had gone to Switzerland, huh. my mom had broken her ankle. So we went to the hospital. And over there, there was this family who was from sort of like Northwest Pakistan. And they started speaking to us in Hindi, Urdu. Then we started talking to them. And they said that, you know, it was a ma- mother and her two, two daughters had come. And she said that they had spent... Three years traveling into Switzerland. Can you imagine, like crossing, like the, they were illegal immigrants. They were sort of like, you know, they on foot, you know, braving like, you know, harsh weather, mountain so,
1: yeah, and it would be cold, no, Tara? yeah. Gosh.
0: And they finally yeah. made it, and you know now they're here, and she joined her husband who's working here, and they obviously have a better life and all of those things. And she's like, you know, I I hate it here. I want to go back home. I miss home. I said after all that for three years, but it just got me thinking, you know, that there's just so many untold stories and so many sort of things that I yet to uncover. So I think we've really like covered a lot of, you know interesting yes. way in which like writing is about sort of like research is sort of Mm-mm-mm. so not like boring. research is the heart
1: of it yeah yeah and it's yes. so not
0: boring right
1: I mean what about you do you have any travel stories yeah actually an incident came to my mind Dara, because you know speaking about like migrant families a lot of people move uh for work right so recently um I'd gone to Goa And it was the first time I wanted to try out paragliding, okay? Uh, When I'm a little scared of water because I don't know swimming. So for me, it was like a daredevil kind of thing. And and the day we went for that, it was very high tide. Like, I did not even know waters could get that rough. It was really rough. And I was mesmerized by the way the fishermen there were just, you know, navigating it as if it's like a, as if it's steady ground. Like, like as if the kind of confidence we have walking on ground, they they are confident with water. And, you know, what was interesting was, you know, obviously people speak um, Konkani in Goa and I also know Konkani, but uh, Kannada is actually our mother tongue because we are from Bangalore and we found that the fishermen were from uh, Karnataka. And, and you know, immediately when they, when they like struck a conversation with my dad, you could just see that, you know, they were, they were looking for that connection, you know, so, for, so. What I wanted to do was, you know, I just imagined, imagine following, shadowing, you know, just like the uh, scout uh, that I mentioned earlier. I would love to shadow these fishermen, Tara, because I want to see what they can see. You know, the way they look at a tide, the way they look at water, the way the way they look at fish or the wind or whatever. And basically, getting so confident with the sea uh, because it's a very, very different world. So, yeah.
0: Wow. I would love to see some of those. That character in your book, Michelle. Oh, yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's what I love about reading, right? We spoke about so much about writing and yes. writers doing all this research. But that's mm. the thing we love. I love about reading because every book that you read is an entirely new world. It's a new yeah. geography. It's a new character. You know? Uh, I mean, like, writers write fiction about sort of characters that are so different to them, right? Like mm. we'd interviewed mukharji who had sort of uh you know, wrote wrote, wrote uh, a romantic story about three people in a relationship, right? That is yes. so, like, out there, the amount of research uh, that is required to even get into the brains of someone that's different from you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking to different characters. And then there was a yes. book about, you know, uh, army, you know, uh, girls in the army and the training that they go through. Anu anu yes. So Podhar. So, yes. like, that's why I love reading because... Just like, you know, how these authors themselves put themselves into different worlds in order to create, you know, as a reader, we are also in that journey with the writers because we are also, you know, participating in the world that these writers have created for us. And it's so different. And, you know, like if if I could just take a camera and point it inside a reader's head, you know, (laughs) you'd see like, it would be psychedelic. You'd see all kinds of like, you know images and visions and things so it's so yeah. very it's so very different from that stereotype of you know boring or you mm-hmm. know or, or, or just sitting alone it's so rich
1: that's what i think i really love
0: about this world what about you
1: yeah that i would really love to get a peek into one of these readers psychedelic minds uh but you know i i'm really curious about readers who go to lengths to find the book that they're looking for you know like like certain stories that really interest in them. Have you heard of any stories, Sarah? I mean, since we've covered so much about writers, now that you spoke about readers, I'm really curious to see to what readers can go to get a story.
0: Well, one of our listeners, shout out to her, listens to us from an oil rig. I know that she's reached out <laughs> to us.
1: Uh, yes.
0: And, you know, readers do crazy things too. I think, you know, standing in line, we've all done that, standing in those long, long lines at six in the morning for Harry Potter books, uh, you know that's definitely something. But I really want to know from the our listeners and readers, you know, what are some of the most out there, hotkey things that you have done, either for a story or uh, you know, to get your to get a book that you really really love. What are some of your stories? I'd love to hear that.
1: Yes. And, and I really hope that all of the stories that we share today, including, uh, you know, our own uh, interest in research, I really hope that you will be inspired to, you know, get stories wherever you can. Right. So, so you know, probably, you know, you cannot travel uh, as these writers. What you can do is you can maybe just step out in the backyard and get a story. So because, you know, one of the books that come to mind is Onam in an IP. So this writer actually just looked at the backyard of her own house, right? In Kerala, of her own hometown. And she found such interesting details. So that's something I think, you know, we can do anytime, right? Just step out of your house, look around and note down five things. I think that's a good starting point.
0: That's a great starting point. Yeah, exactly. So let's yes. all sort of, sort of do that. And yeah, to anyone who is hesitating, you know, let's bust the myth. <laughs> that you know yes. writing
1: and research is boring because this is a yeah. whole new colorful amazing world yes and and if you do find some very good observations please dm us we would love to read your ideas
0: yep yeah, we are at bound india on all our social media platforms and we're looking forward to this season. This season is going to be a very different season than the previous seasons. A lot more meteor conversations, uh, different authors, different Tara and Michelle episodes. So we can't wait to go on this journey with you. So let's dive in. So here we are. We're at the end of yet another journey into the many worlds of
1: Books and Beyond with Bound. I'm Tara Khandelwal. I'm Michelle DeCosta. And this podcast is created by Bound, a company that helps you grow through stories. Find us at Bound India on all social media platforms. So tune in every
0: Wednesday if you live, eat and breathe books. And join us as we discover more revolutionary books and peek into the lives and minds of some truly brilliant authors from India and South Asia.
1: And don't forget to keep your love for stories alive for books and beyond.